Hello and welcome to another edition of A Word from God. I'm Pastor James Lindley. And today we're going to be going through chapter 8 of Matthew, verses 1 through 17. Before we begin, I would like to ask that if you are being blessed by these podcasts, that you would pray about giving to this ministry, you can do so at our website at www.awordfromgod.net. Again, that's www.awordfromgod.net. A word from God.net. Your generous gift will help us continue this ministry. And with that, let's begin. Curing the sick, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. If you want to turn to that and say amen, we're going to split this chapter up in parts. In the eighth chapter of Matthew, Jesus heals many people. No one in the history of the world has ever done such healings. Yet Christ did them effortlessly. These miracles were to demonstrate that Jesus is truly the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. The healings that we're going to read about today were done in a miraculous, quick fashion to show the people at the time that this man they called Jesus Christ was also God. One important thing that we know about the New Testament and the Gospels is that Jesus did many miracles and that even the people that crucified him, even his enemies, never disputed that Jesus did miracles. A lot of people don't realize that. His enemies acknowledged the miracles that he did. But the purpose of the miracles weren't just to heal people. It was to show people that he was God in the flesh. Jesus Christ was the man who was God in the flesh. Nobody could do the miracles that he did. Witnesses throughout history wrote about it. The Bible is not the only place we read about Jesus. Other people wrote about the miracles of Jesus. When you saw him work, you never forgot it. Today, we're going to learn about how Jesus used these miracles to call people to repentance. And before we get started, I want to make something very clear. I believe in medicine. I believe in doctors. So I'm not telling anyone who gets sick here to sit around and pray and do nothing. Okay? You should seek medical attention if you are ill, all right? I just wanted to clarify that because I know that there are some people that will just sit around and pray and get sicker and sicker when God is telling them, go to the doctor, okay? When you're hungry, you eat food. You don't pray, right? (laughs) You eat food, amen? Okay, so I just wanted to clarify that so nobody misunderstands what this sermon is concerning. So we're going to break this chapter up, and the first part that we're going to talk about is the healing of the leopard, So let's turn to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to go over verses 1 and 4. I'm reading now the ESV. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leopard came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleaned. And Jesus said to him, See, 
that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, leprosy was the worst thing you could get in Jesus's day because it often killed people. Okay, it disfigured you. It was a horrendous disease. And when you got it, you were cast out. People didn't want you around because it was highly contagious. All right. So for this man to approach Jesus Christ was already against the rules. Okay, of the Old Testament. He was supposed to be set out of the camp and not around public people. But yet we see this man, the leopard. The leopard cries out to Jesus to heal him. We too must cry out to God to heal us from our sin through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The leper did not look at his circumstance and let his circumstance discourage him from crying out to God. The leper did not let his pride stand in his way and stop him from crying out to God. When you're hurting, when you're suffering, when you're in misery, when you're hopeless, cry out to God. You have not because you ask not. Praise God. The leopard cried out. He wanted something from God. Now, under the circumstances, it was hopeless. There's no way you're going to get cured from this, pal. Nobody can help you. In fact, all of society has rejected you. Anybody ever here feel rejected by everybody? This leper was rejected by more people than you could even imagine. Imagine having leprosy. I don't know if all of you understand what leprosy is, but I mean, it is horrendous. If you think you've experienced rejection, think about what these people were going through. Yet, publicly, he cries out for Jesus. People must have thought he was crazy. What is wrong with this guy? approaching the Messiah with leprosy, but he cried out. People today need to cry out for Jesus. We need to cry out his name. Listen, you can cry for your friends. They'll only be there for a little while. You can cry out for your mommy and daddy. Sooner or later, their resources run out. Praise God. One day you're going to find yourself, if you haven't already done so, you're going to find yourself in a situation where nobody can help you. That's when you cry out to Jesus. But hopefully you don't. Listen, hopefully you'll cry out to Jesus before you get to that point. Unfortunately, some people, most people, a lot of us wait until the last minute and then we cry out. This leopard, he was in a hopeless situation, but he did not let his circumstance stop him. Praise God. Christ shows compassion and touches The leopard's hand touches the leopard's hand. This man probably hadn't felt the touch of a human being in decades. Who knows how long, let alone the presence of another human being in the same room with him. And here is a man reaching out and touching him. What compassion we have. What love we have from Jesus Christ that this suffering man who hasn't known the touch of another human being in all those years. And Jesus reaches down and touches his hand while healing him. Christ will show all those who call him the same compassion. 
A lot of people miss the compassion of Christ because they don't cry out for him. They don't call on him. They don't have the faith that it takes to believe that Jesus loves you no matter what your situation. People think that their sin is so horrible that Jesus will never forgive them for it. And so it stops them from crying out to him. People think that they got to be cleaned up before they come to Jesus. The leper didn't get cleaned until he came to see Jesus. Praise God. You see what I'm getting at? The the leper didn't sit around and say, well, I think I'm going to wait till my leprosy leaves and then approach Christ. No, he went to him as he was in the state that he was in, in the condition he was in. And Jesus reached out and did not reject him and had compassion on him. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you've been through yesteryear, Jesus will reach out and touch your hand and he will have compassion on you if you cry out to him. This is so important because this is more important than a physical healing, friends. Because no matter how many times God heals you in the flesh, one day your body will give out and you're going to die anyhow. That's reality of life. I'm speaking truth here. And if you don't get healed from the sin that's within each and every human being, none of the other healings will matter. Now, the instruction, the leopard is told not to tell anyone about his miracle. Anybody understand why that was given to him? I'll tell you why. People wanted to kill Jesus for the things that he was doing. Listen, Jesus did something good. But yet if his enemies found out about it, they'd want to kill him for it. When they found out about him raising the dead, they wanted to kill him and the people he raised. Also, the people, when they found out miracles were happening, they were chasing after Jesus by the multitudes, and he couldn't move. He couldn't get nothing done because everybody was coming to him for healing. Listen, it's okay to come to God and ask him for stuff like healing, okay, and financial needs. I understand we have provisions that need to be met. Believe me, okay? I understand, but that's not the purpose As to why Jesus came, he came to deliver us from our sins. Amen. So the leper was instructed not to tell anyone because it would make Jesus's day a lot harder. Imagine all these. Look, win the lottery and see how many people are knocking on your door saying that they're your brother-in-law, sister-in-law, friend, long lost mother or something. Right. Praise God. Okay. so number two, the healing of the centurion's servant Now we're in uh, chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came uh, forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I say to you, 
with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. The centurion asks of Jesus. We too must humble ourselves and ask of Christ. The centurion, he was a high-ranking officer. He had people underneath him. He even spoke about it, right? Servants. He says, do it. They do it. They don't question him. But he humbled himself and he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. Christians today, they think they're above God in many ways. They do. They won't even bow their knee and pray or even ask God for anything. They think they're in control of their lives. Whereas this man, let me tell you something about the Romans, okay? This man could give an order to kill somebody. He could tell another person, go kill somebody, and it would be done. The Romans didn't care much about life. This guy had the power of life and death in his hand, and he comes to Jesus. He says, I'm not worthy for you to be under my roof. I've got servants all over the place. But you know what? Don't even bother yourself by walking across the street or wherever it is he lived. Just come on over here and just say the word. That's faith. A lot of Christians today, we pray to God, and then we try to figure our way out of it right after we're praying or while we're praying. Or we start wondering, how could God possibly fix this problem Look what I'm into. This man, this Roman, who wasn't even a Jew, who didn't even read or have access to the Old Testament, he knew who Jesus was. He knew he was a miracle worker. Praise God. And he humbled himself. He lowered himself. And he asked. He asked. A little bit of humbleness goes a long way with God. Without it, you won't ask. Without it, you'll be in control. You know what it means when you're in control of your life? You're out of control in your life. Praise God. The faith of the centurion is so great, he believes Jesus can heal from far away. He wasn't even thinking about medicine or nothing. He heard about Jesus. He came into the presence of Jesus and he asked Jesus and he says, man, you don't even have to just say it. Just. Whereas the Jews read about the Messiah, the Jews knew about the promises of God, about a deliverer coming. And there he was. And they didn't even have the faith. But this outsider, this Roman who oppressed the Jews, who could give the order of life and death, he believed. And Jesus granted him what he asked for. Jesus is pleased with the centurion's faith and publicly commends the man. Jesus said to the people around him what great faith it was. Faith makes God very happy. And he will openly reward all those who are faithful to him. 
Now, as a pastor, I have to openly reward people who serve this church because this is the father that I serve and I am his son. Okay? And I want to be like my dad. Jesus does the same thing because he is the son of God. He openly rewarded the centurion in front of all the people commending him for his faith. God will do the same for any person that will uphold the word of God in faith and show faithfulness to God. He will openly reward you in front of the people. Jesus states that the centurion's kind of faith will result in many Gentiles being saved, while many faithless Jews will suffer eternal loss. Understand that Jesus preached about hell right here. Oh, pastor, here we go. We're on hell. Well, it's in the verse, right? He's talking about the Gentiles. Those are the people who are not Jews. Many of them are going to be in the kingdom of God. We're the Gentiles, by the way. Everybody know this? We're Gentiles. That's who we are. We're not, unless you're a Jewish descent. Forgive me if there's anybody in here with Jewish descent. But if you're not, you're a Gentile, period. Okay? And Jesus is saying that the outsiders will be let in before those who were promised will get in. Now, see, God's not breaking his promise to the Jews, right? For every promise, there's a condition, right? You have to have faith in order to gain access to the kingdom of heaven. If you don't have the faith, then the promise was never given to you, right? Because you won't receive the condition because you haven't fulfilled the condition. Amen? If the judge lets you go and he says, you pay a fine and you can walk and you pay the fine, you get out of jail. But if you don't, what happens? You go to jail, don't you? So there's a promise, but you got to fulfill Well, Jesus says that you can get out of hell for free if you believe on the one whom God sent. Amen? And then the centurion's servant is healed that very hour at the moment. Like that. You know, sometimes God works really quick in my life. And when it's something I've been asking for, I like that. And sometimes God says, wait. I don't like it when he tells me to wait. In this case, nobody had to wait. He just got the uh, answer to his prayer. But for me, I have prayed and I have prayed and God has told me to wait, wait, wait. Anybody like that? I don't like that. But it does teach patience. I often found that the reason why I'm told to wait is because there's something that's not lined up yet. It could be my faith. Maybe what I'm asking for is I don't have the faith to get it. You see, sometimes when we come to God and we ask him for things, we think we have the faith because we had enough to ask him, but we forget something. Sometimes it takes faith to fulfill what it is that you're asking God for, right? If you're asking God for a better life, he's not going to snap his fingers and just give it to you. He's going to give you guidance. And in that guidance, you're going to have to follow his instructions. And as you follow his instructions, he will lead you into a better life. That kind of prayer will take time to be answered, but it will be answered. It'll be answered over time as you learn obedience, as you learn guidance in following Christ. 
In this case, snap of the finger was done. It doesn't always happen that way, though, does it? But don't take that as an answer of no. See, God will say yes, and God will say no to prayer. But sometimes he says, wait, wait. And we don't always like the word wait, do we? When we can go down to the fast food place and get it now. Number three, the healing, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew 8, verses 14 and 15 says, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. Understand that he touched the leopard, and he was healed. He touched Peter's mother-in-law, right? And she was healed. But he only had to speak the word for the servant. You see, God doesn't always heal the same way twice, right? He has different ways of doing it. He doesn't always have to touch you. You see, sometimes when we pray, we feel like, well, God's not here. I can't touch him. I don't feel anything. He mustn't be able to do it. But he is. He is. Okay, Jesus finds the woman sick and unable to do anything but lie in bed. Let me tell you something. This was a physical illness. But there's some of us that has another illness. It's called sin. And God cannot have you do anything because you are sick with it. Now, listen, you could be saved. You could believe in Jesus Christ, but you could be wrapped up in a sin and unable to do anything but lay around and spiritually sleep. And I'm talking about Christians here. Because we're a church of Christians. Amen. We know the unbelievers have got to be dealt with by God, but we're already being dealt with by God. So we need to talk about us for a minute. You could be wrapped up in something that God told you not to do. And you could be so spiritually sick that all you can do is lay around, unable to serve. Oh, the devil will tell you that you're doing just fine because you're just getting by. But deep down inside, you're asleep. You're sleeping. You're in la-la land. You're not really attentive to the things around you that God is trying to say. You're not growing any fruits. And believe me, fruits are very important to serve God. You've got to constantly have those growing in your life. But look what happens. After healing the woman, she is able to get out of bed and then serve the Lord. We too are fit for serving God after he has healed us from our sin. Praise God. Before I was saved, I wasn't doing nothing for God. Oh, I was probably going around different places and giving the charities and silly things like that. But that's not really serving God. But once I got saved, he equipped me. And I was able and I was fit and I was ready to go. Praise God. Now, I'm being serious about this. After this woman was healed, she was serving. Christians need to be like that today. God has healed you. Now serve. Get up and do something for God. You're healed. You've got no more excuses now. You're not sick in bed with sin anymore. But see, some Christians go right back to their sick bed. Some Christians look around and they say, well, now that I'm saved, I think I'm just going to live like the devil and be called a saint. Those kind of Christians are backsliders. They fall back into the things that the world is offering them. 
and they throw the grace of God right back at his face. And they say that they, the Bible says that you crucify Christ all over again when you live that kind of life. Praise God. You're unfit to serve God when sin is dripping from you. Nobody wants to be around sin once they've been saved. You would think, but people do it all the time. Amen. They leave the church and they go to a club, right? They leave the church and they go around ungodly people and hang around with them. Any kind of exposure to sin can cause you to backslide. So once you are healed, start serving God. That's why he healed you. That's why he didn't take you up to heaven when he saved you because he has work for you to do. Praise God. Am I being too hard for anybody? We're almost done. The healing of many. Number four, Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The people there with Jesus, they knew what to do when they saw the work of Christ. They brought others to him so that they could be healed. Christians today should do the same. We should be telling people about Jesus and bring them to church. You see, when they saw what was going on, people were like, hey, I got to show you something. Come on with me. Come on, come on. I got to show you this guy, Jesus. You see, they saw the miracles of Jesus Christ with their own eyes. They experienced it. And it excited them so much that they went off and they got other people to come with them to go see Jesus. Are you excited about church so much that you want to run out and get people into church because you're so excited about what Jesus is doing in your life? Okay, so listen, the people knew what to do when they saw Jesus working. The people knew what to do. Look, this guy's healing people. What does Jesus do for us? What does he heal us from? Sin. Bring people to Jesus. You can't fix them. Listen, I know there's people out there that think you can fix somebody. I know you look at somebody and says, I can fix them. Well, I'll just be a good example and tell them everything they're doing wrong, and they'll be fixed. When did that last work for you? Can you really fix somebody? Can anybody fix you? When's the last time somebody told you to do something and you listened? You bring them to Jesus. You bring them to Jesus. Let Jesus fix them. The people knew what to do. They brought people to Jesus and they were healed. They were healed because they believed in who he was and what he could do. Jesus wants to heal us too from our sin. Take his offer of salvation and follow his lead.